0: Ahoy! It's the best of all the mats. It's post-production, Matt. And I would like to welcome you to the M-Podcast's coverage of Oscar Week. We're going to be uploading a few episodes this week. We're going to be going through my and Tim's. That's me, I'm Matt. Me, my. When I say my, that's who I mean. Me and my co-host Tim, we're going to be telling you our top 20 films of the Oscar cycle. And then... We're going to be, probably, let's just see if I upload them all. But the plan is, probably, we will be going through the list of nominations and we'll be having a thoroughly deep and interesting conversation about who we think is going to win and also who we'd like to see win. So, without further (laughs) ado, please... Take it away. Normal episode, Matt. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Please do enjoy. Toodles. welcome everybody to another episode of the um, podcast and at the moment we're going through a few episodes for the oscar previews so i'm not too sure which orders have been edited and uploaded so i'm either going to spell all the surprise and so we've done our our picks for each of the oscar categories but today either Before or after that, (laughs) (laughs) me and Tim are going to have just a a general chit-chat of of our top 20 films, the best of the previous year's Oscar cycle. P.S. not best of 2022, because we're too late for that. It's definitely (laughs) the best 20 films of the Oscar cycle. (laughs) So, I don't know if I told you, I'm Matt. I am half... Of this perfect marriage of films, comic books, TV series, the other <laughs> half of course, is my beautiful friend Tim. Tim, how are you? A pleasure to be with you again. A pleasure to be with you. Hello,
1: hello everybody. How's it going? Uh, I'm very excited for this little cycle, uh, our, our little like Oscar cycle. <laughs> Everyone loves a good top 10. We're going to expand that to a top 20. Actually, more than twice the fun. We, we're not just doubling the fun; it's it's like exponentially more fun.
0: Because it's not just top twenty, but we both get twenty. So the potential here—I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I was going to give one of the <laughs> one. Gonna, obviously there's going to be a couple of overlaps, but we have we have very real and present danger of there being forty different films. So <laughs> that's um, true. It was a good year, though, wasn't it? It was a fun year for films. It felt like it was back. You know, I think we did this on the other episode. Oh, I wish I knew which way I was. I was going to upload them, Tim. <laughs> I've got myself in ever such of a pickle here. <laughs> but you know, give yeah, be a I, little bit of repetition. I mean, I'm all, I don't. think, I think the people usually listen to us once and then fuck it off. So <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do it again for this week's disappointment. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was a good. It was a good year for film, wasn't it? It was good. Yeah, it was good. You know, I didn't. I,
1: looking back on it, before I made my started thinking about my list, I. I didn't really think it was like a great year, you know? And then I started making my list. And I was like, actually, it's a good year and it's actually quite top heavy. Like I had trouble lining up my top, say like seven
0: or eight films. Have I not put everything all... Oh my God, I've not put everything all the time, everywhere, all at once. It's not in my top 20. <laughs> That's got to be a mistake, it. isn't it? Is it in... It's not in yours? No. Okay, well, <laughs> spoiler <laughs> Because, you know, we could have really teased that out for, like, the second and number one spot, and then people are go, outrage! This is fucking heresy! You are charlatans! <laughs> There's well, got to be a zero pick! <laughs> That's has to be a fucking zero pick! <laughs> what are you doing with your lives? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Everything, everywhere, all everywhere, at once. Everywhere, all at once, yeah. Yeah, so they're just two examples, you know, you can... If you're that bothered, you can look it up yourself. It's not like you've come here for ent- for information. You've only come here for entertainment, <laughs> <laughs> and we strive right. to disappoint on both fronts. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it really needs um, much more explanation than that. We're making lists, Tim. It's straightforward, mate. I know what a list looks like. Let's. Do you want to go first?
1: Well, yeah, let's. I, I wanted to point out, or, or just to discuss one uh, ground rule, real quick. I pick a movie and you've got it higher in the list. Do you want to say where you've got it or you want to get to it? No, no, no,
0: no. I'll just acknowledge that I have it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So even if we had the exact same 20 films and and I think unless there's a situation whereby my 19th film is your 20th film and then I have a completely different one at the top, that's the only situation where you can possibly say all my films before me. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you were iteratively just one ahead in each category. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, All
1: right, let me go first. Yeah, go first. All right, number 20. Now, I'm not certain about like the Oscar cycle exactly, so this may be slightly out of it. Meh. I think it probably is. But my number 20 this year was Megan, the uh, oh, yeah. the Chucky remake, the AI Chucky remake. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. I had fun watching. This one was interesting. It is slightly derivative insofar as it's like, really is like an AI version of Chucky, but the thing they do really well is like, in that respect, there's callbacks. Some of that era of horror films, I enjoyed the fact that there's like a lot of interesting practical effects that kind of call back to their era. And they do a great job of making the doll, the Megan, the AI, as creepy as you could imagine it being, some of the, you saw in the trailer, the weird dancing that she does, yeah. very creepy. And the voice actress behind that does a great job of communicating Megan's emotions. She can be really? evil. The way they craft the looks on her face and the way that the actress does her lines, actually, I thought it was like very, very good. Not stilted whatsoever. It was very interesting.
0: That actor, the child actor was actually one of the children in the opening flashback in Black Widow, not Charlize Theron's daughter, the younger sister. Oh, no kidding. She has a really strong filmography. She's done quite a few horror films already. Yeah, that's
1: interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, she was, I thought, great in this. I was curious how they're going to carry that off. It was done well.
0: The, the MCU's in a bit of a lull. But you're watching films and you're always thinking who that? Who that? actor could be my mind's completely switched to the x-men we're gonna to have to cast 20 30 superheroes on one go. so i've always got a little eye out and when you think of production time the age of the, the actors when they actually are going to be the x-men not just now but over maybe 10 20 years so actresses like the young girl in megan that i'm starting to think maybe this is mm-hmm. one that we could have yeah yeah no so
1: that makes make sense totally
0: So, shall I give you my 20th choice? Do so. Okay, this is only one I watched yesterday. Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Roku exclusive. And this is not the film that I thought it was going to be. It's a throwback to the silly, gross-out humour of the early noughties. This is not a true biopic. Everything's very comedic. It's kind of like Anchorman was a music biopic. It's purposefully funny constantly the opening scene it's the humdrum parents saying you need to concentrate on your studies no good will come of the accordion and this just <laughs> pulls the parody off so well because modern comedies you don't laugh anymore you just go oh yeah that was funny no i like that That was yeah funny. yeah it's like you like nod along the- with the movie like oh yes You're i like, get that yeah i get it no i no, that was clever that was smart yeah yeah no mm-hmm. that's cool yeah I, I like it i like it i did spit takes On it two or three times. It was so funny. It's so earnest. Daniel Radcliffe is fantastic. Because he just buys into it. The silly situations that he gets himself into. (laughs) 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 An illegal underground accordion party. And it's kind of like he's getting peer pressured into taking drugs. They're like, you can't even play the accordion. (laughs) He stands there gripping his fist. He's going from upset to angry. Give it to me. And everybody's like, oh, what was the walk hard, which was a parody of Walk the Line on well, this? Yeah. It also has Evan Rachel Wood, who was one of the main cyborgs in Westworld, the one that was sexually riding a horse in the series two trailer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and she plays Madonna and she pulls it off. The director is Eric Apple, and he's been doing Appel, it's probably how you pronounce it. And he's been involved in sitcoms like Girls, New Girl, or Brooklyn Nine Nine, The Office. Brooklyn Nine Nine. It was really good. Really, really enjoyed it.
1: I didn't realize this, but apparently he's the only recording artist in history that's had a top 10 single in five consecutive decades. It's incredible. He's had an amazing career. It's crazy. I, don't, yeah, I need to watch
0: that. He must be the preeminent expert on fair usage. Mm hmm. Yeah, you could
1: bring him into a law firm like immediately for
0: like intellectual yeah, property. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, your number 19 tip.
1: <laughs> all right, my number 19. and Again, something I just was smiling at the whole time. Number 19, The Menu, which I thought was just so fun to watch. I know you do not like this movie, but I had a great time watching it. I loved, first of all, it's the first movie that I recognized Hong Chow in, and I thought she was so good in it. And I shortly thereafter saw The Whale. So I thought she was incredible. And I just love the idea of like where it just dawns on each of the participants, like each of the customers, how fucked they are. I just thought that was so fun to see that. So I thought it was very entertaining. I don't think it break any, broke any new ground, or obviously it's not like great cinema, but I just had a fun time at the theater that night.
0: I wouldn't say it was an really enjoyable, I just found it annoying because. I wanted it to lean more into the absurdist. The climax of men Mm -hmm. just became a complete perversion of anything we'd seen up to that point. And it was was actually ending that put some people off the film. However, it was absurdist. The premise was absurdist. However, people were kind of playing it safe I think Nicholas Holt was one of the few that actually really leaned into it, and his character had more legs to do that because he was an exaggeration of a truth. But yeah, it was fine. But hey, it's your 19, it's not on my list. (laughs) All right, what's yours? Easy one for me. It is a film that was released on Disney Plus exclusively, and I think legitimately, if this film had been in cinemas over the summer period when the kids were off school, Chippendale would be... A huge, huge success. The animation was tight. The premise was good. It's one of those that when you hear about, it's a bit of an eye roller, like, oh, is this where we've come to? But it had that real Roger Rabbit feel. To see things like Ugly Sonic, and it's one of those animated films that kids can watch on a disposable enjoyment level, but as grown-ups, you can see the little nods to you, the little side-eyes. It's a really clever film, and it wasn't one whereby... I think even films like Up... They start strong, but then it sort of goes into the typical Disney animated caper with silliness and creatures and things that we need to sell toys. And then it wraps it up with a almost like an MCU final set piece. Somebody either learned something or realised that they were happy all along or some shit like this. The journey of the character really considered, really measured. I've probably taken a little bit of a step back because I was like, this is one of the best animated things I've ever, ever seen. Probably not quite hmm. as high in it as I was, but it's just... A really fun film. You haven't got the expectations of uh, of an IP, and it's not something that you have to understand. You can sit there, watch it, enjoy it, loved it.
1: And this is uh, uh, Disney Plus? Yeah, Disney Plus, yeah. yeah. I, gotta, I gotta fire that up for my kids and we can watch it together. Sounds good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over to you. All right, number 18, Men. The first of many horror movies on my top 20. Really enjoyed this. Do you have this on your list? Yeah, I've got this on my list. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I really, I,
0: really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I love this one. It has a level of anxiety and tension that is just so dialed in. And then, yeah. as we discussed, as you mentioned the first, the the final set piece is just so grotesque, like absurd. Sad. If I had to re-rank this, I may even have ranked it higher, but I just didn't want to forget about it. Because it, it was a while ago. I think I saw it. I don't remember when it came out. Earlier in the year, I think. So it's been quite a while since I've seen it, but I love this movie because two hours of tension—it's insane—and yeah. like you don't really know what's going on, just like she no, does. You don't.
0: Yeah, and you're completely tethered to it, completely yeah. tethered to it. And I can't remember at the time. I mean, feel free to to disagree. I was trying to work out not during the film, but afterwards. It's kind of like Mother when you watch Mother, and it's excruciatingly tense, and it's hard to watch at times, and it rattles along at an incredible pace. I suppose Men is more succinct than that. Man is, this, you know, get it out of the way, just show me. Do you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Most of it is relentless and you try not to look at it. It has yeah. actually, it does have that Aronofsky vibe to it. The, uh, yeah. the uncomfortableness, the awkwardness of it. The Rory Kinnear character or characters, what a unique idea. Without inspecting it falsely, Kind of looked to me, all his personas were an example of a kind of toxic masculinity or a a type of overbearing, selfish influence that she was almost splitting from the actions of a selfish ex-partner. Primary level, it's a fantastically shot. The cinematography, the mise-en-scene of this in each scene, The way that there's long, prolonged shots down dark tunnels and she's standing at the end. It puts you closer to her and you can hear the sound behind you in the completely darkened tunnel. It's so cleverly made. It's very understated in its acting. I really, really loved it. And yeah, the final scene. I'm somebody that'll eat that shit up. Absolutely grotesque. And not just body horror. It is genuinely fucking disgusting. Yeah. And it's over and over and over. Yeah. Superb. Oh, yeah. It's drawn drawn out.
1: You can't look away. There's
0: too much of it. Too much of it. Too much of it. Again, another A24 film. Yep. All right. 18. 18. Uh, This is what I watched recently. I won't say too much about it. It's um, from Universal. It starred Aubrey Plaza and Theo Rossi, and it's called Emily the Criminal. (sighs) I think... The only thing missing from this film is an absolutely stellar soundtrack. Zio oh. Rossi is almost typecast, lovable, but flawed. You always want to see him do well, but he's always going to fuck it up for himself type character. But he plays it really well, did it in Stunts of Anarchy, did it in Luke Cage. Aubrey Plaza, I think she's maturing into an actor that can play different roles and she can do it with her awkward comedy that lends well to being comfortable with underperformance and being able to choose subtlety over action for the way she portrays character. There was one called It Was Something Bare. And again, that was a very astutely made film from maybe two three years ago. and You forget she was one of the main characters in Legion. And in that, you saw her mature from the cynic taciturn cynic into somebody that was more of an intentional actor. It's not really a crime thriller, but there is elements of that. If you could imagine a very subtle Guy Ritchie film, if you took all the cockney out of a Guy Ritchie film and the soundtrack, this is what you'd be left with.
1: Nice, nice.
0: That's pretty recent, right? It'd just be either side of Christmas, but it's Fine. one of those that okay, was on limited okay. release and it will probably get shot to the streaming surface, which will then be Amazon original or Amazon exclusive or Netflix sure. exclusive or some shit like that. Great.
1: Uh, only one overlap so far. That's awesome. Uh, God, this is going to be another three and a half fucking hour, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this could either be 30 minutes or like four hours,
0: Yeah, <laughs> depending on what the choices
1: are. All right, 17, I went with my favorite MCU movie of the recent uh, offerings, Multiverse of Madness. And we've talked about this one a lot. We yeah, did a whole yeah. show on this. We did a whole show. Anyone who's interested in our thoughts on that can refer to the show, but I just thought this was like pretty interesting, a departure from the typical MCU fare and that scene with the musical notes, that is just so oh, So
0: good, so clever. Yeah. Really, yeah. really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I'll drop a link to that episode well, I suppose if you're on Spotify, then you, you all you have to do is use Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably easier than me putting a link. I'll link in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> so my next one, I have to be completely honest. It's one that I watched quite a while ago. And all I can remember is the sense of enjoyment. It mm-hmm. is Scott Derrickson's Return, Black Phone and it's from Blumhouse. I found the way that Derrickson left Marvel to be specifically distasteful. I felt like he wanted his cake and he had to eat it. The guy only really made Sinister in its shitty sequel. He didn't really have the filmography to be making demands of someone like Kevin Feige and the way that he was undermining him in interviews as well. And when you look at what Sam Ramy was actually allowed to do, I think Scott Derrickson was foolish to have not worked within the parameters that Sam Ramy was able to. Because there was some genuinely, genuinely well, it's quite funny actually that this follows on from Doctor Strange too. That you're because there was some yeah. generally horrific scenes in that where, you know, snapping Pro X's neck when she comes through them through the mirror, genuinely like oh, oh you fucker moments. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your formal goes a little bit inside you. <laughs> so now there's a little bit of distance and Multiverse Imagines Madness is out. It's one of those where I'm glad to see him back because I really did like Sinister. The only other thing I'll put on top of that because I've spoken around the film that speaking about it is Ethan Hawke, what a year he had. He was in Glass Onion. He had the Moon Knight series. Uh, he was in this. And you can't be a bit of retro, can you? When a, a film's done so successfully, period. Oh, it's beautiful,
1: period. The outdoor scenes are just so spot on. I don't know how yeah. they achieved the costumes of that era yeah. just so perfectly done. And it's a film that I typically, the conceit of like the phone telling the kid like how to negotiate everything was a conceit that I think could be really bungled or made not that interesting. But Ethan Hawke's character in that is truly horrifying. Yeah, yeah. And the kid does, is great. Young girl in it, the sister. Whoa. Oh my God, she's awesome giving you a taste of the two with their in their home life with their dad and how as a result of him being kind of a non-present alcoholic, they have to rely on one another. It does a good job of setting up how close their relationship is and how connected they are, which pays off towards the end of the film. Yeah. I thought it was good. it's on my list too.
0: I like it when they allow kids to be clever because I can remember mm-hmm. the conversations that when you go to your friends and you'd be questioning things or let's say six, seven, eight, you start to having serious questions but you don't have necessarily the words to have a authentically intelligent conversations but i do feel like as a kid you are still curious and you are still asking questions and you are still trying to find out things on the most fundamental level because everything's Mm -hmm. for the first time and i love a film that allows kids to be inquisitive and smart and be successful they're not just a catalyst for what the adults are doing next really really enjoyed it
1: no, that's a good point, because like kids in real life, they're unique thinkers. Adults can't often anticipate like how they're going to solve a problem or it does well on that level to it. So that's a good point. Back to you for 16. All right, 16, I've got The Whale. It, this is such an interesting movie. And the top end acting is so outstanding. Obviously, Brendan Fraser, again, Hong Chao. And then um, Samantha Mathis has a part in this that is a, just a devastating scene. It's hard sometimes to translate the stage to the screen. And I think this does this actually quite successfully. My concerns with it are, I don't think Sadie Sink pulls it off. I think she's like an an exaggerated version of a troubled teen. There's a character that I think is like borderline entirely superfluous that I think gets the plot going. But really, this is a movie about the acting. The acting is just so superb. And we kind of talked about it on our oscar show which either is next time or last time <laughs> it's such a tragic story because the character he has this view of people that's so rosy but you can mm-hmm. see his underlying his pain is manifested of course in his size but his real view of things is he always thinks the best of people but he's com- so completely wrong about it so there's a tragedy in that fact and it's just really brilliantly done especially for someone who's just sitting on the couch almost the entire movie the entire movie is hit. all of his acting yeah. is him sitting on a on a chair in effect yeah oh, wow. so i thought it was my concerns with it are again you know, like the performances of sadie sick and then the superfluous character and then there's a overly gratuitous scene towards the middle of him overeating which i think is just unnecessary so i dock some points but i it has stuck with me i'd be curious to hear what you think about it when you get a chance to see it yeah i'll look forward to seeing
0: it when i can steal it <laughs> <laughs> so it's mine number 16 yep I don't have very much to say about this Ryan Johnson's Glass Onion sequel to Knives Out, produced by Netflix. Ensemble cast, really good. Don't know if it was any better than the first one or not, but it's just a fun dream. Um I watched it twice in two days, once for my own enjoyment, and then my mother popped up and um, stayed over for a couple of nights uh, between Christmas and the New Year. And she really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, it's worth watching again. And I didn't feel like having known how it ends that I was any more or less enjoyed it. it. wasn't one of those that I was going, oh, yeah. Where this probably is in deficit to the first film, when they reveal what happened with Anna de Armas, I felt like it was a brave decision to reveal the plot, not knowing that there was a further um, turn for the, the murderous mm-hmm. plot to have been taken towards the end. I liked the way that that enhanced the film and that it had another level of curiosity. I felt in this, when they do the rewind and to show you what was actually going on, I felt it less rewarding. It didn't put that sense of urgency into the second half of the film like I felt in Knives Out. I wasn't mm-hmm. still trying to guess what was going on. It is still a it, but I would probably categorise it as Maybe a comedy, like an action comedy, or sure um, it's enjoyable It's my number sixteen. Now saying that, I'm thinking, oh boy, I did like the ones lower in this list more than that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. But
0: no, Glass Onion, yeah, decent film. 1510.
1: Uh I went with Nope for number 15.
0: You haven't seen it? I haven't seen it, no. Yeah.
1: I won't say, I won't spoil anything about it, but I this has actually grown on me a little bit over time. Like I was disappointed walking out of it, but with some hindsight and a little bit of time to breathe, I think. Like, all of his movies are very thematically rich. I forget the name of the second one he did. Was it with Us? Then. Something like that. I didn't like that one as much. I think this one's better. And I like Get Out, I think, better than, than you did. But this one's great because it has some of the... It touches on old Western. It touches on the old sci-fi. Mm. And it has these weird interludes of... Stephen Young um,
0: as well He's one of the... yeah. After the if you look at like Chandler Riggs, he's done nothing. He might be on a couple of soaps or like ongoing multiple seasons dramas with a, you know, a sort of central crux that made this separate it from the other drama. You know what I mean? Like a Desperate Housewives. That's what Desperate thinking. Housewives, yeah. Like he yeah. could easily be in one of those for six or seven seasons as a minor character, one of the teen young adult things that Netflix churns out like you. But Stephen Young has just been so clever with his choices. He's chosen both quality and quantity. And he's done mm-hmm. it almost exclusively for the indies. He's been in Minari was at Neon, who I think are the unspoken success after A twenty four, because A twenty four has become it's front and centre now. Everybody knows how mm-hmm. good they are, but Neon, they're gonna be the next A twenty four if they aren't aren't in that ilk already. He was in Sorry to Bother You. What a film that was. Absolutely loved it. For me, watching Sorry to Bother You was the film that people were actually watching when they watched Get Out. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I Mm -hmm. felt it was so more succinctly observant. It's like Promising Young Woman. In that film, I'm the villain. Mm -hmm. But yet it made me sympathise and question myself. I mean, I'm not saying like I'm some kind of predator or anything, but we've all been young and you think, well, maybe my behaviour was inappropriate or maybe... I made somebody feel uncomfortable without consciously doing it. And what Sorry to Bother You did, they put the white voice on on the phones. He gets invited to the executive party and everybody's only talking to him about black things to try and find a common ground. Right, right. And, and I'm like, okay, no, like you're holding up a mirror to me now and I'm thinking, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that is actually quite observant. And it's not something that I was even consciously either doing or aware of. Like you always say, don't make things apparent to somebody by telling them they're wrong. You do it by letting them, letting them discover that they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole point being, uh, what? How can we even get onto this? So it's was no, nope, wasn't it? Nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'll go next, uh, but I'm going go to it. talk about it because I know it's one of your favourite films. Fifteen, it's Blumhouse, uh, B.J. Novak, Dove Cameron, starring in Vengeance. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> <Burrington>.
0: <laughs>
1: i obviously do have it on my list boy well tell me what you think about it because
0: we haven't talked about it really i think the only thing that holds it back is you have a fundamentally dislikable protagonist that even though he does want to seem to do the right thing you're always unsure of his motives so I think there's a lack of trust between me and and the motivations of the character. And of course, it turns out in the film, we get to see his true motivations and then we see how that affects him and, and the person he, he truly is afterwards. Ashton Kutcher was fantastic in it. He's always played the sort of lovable doofus, but yeah. this is the first time I've seen him attempt to be a true character actor Completely believable. If I didn't recognise him, if there was prosthetics or anything on his face, I wouldn't have known it was him. It's a trip to a part of America that is very romanticised in England. The South, cowboy country. It feels like it's out of a storybook. People just love it. They love hearing the voice. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. The accents. Talking about people to come out of big TV shows that are managing to forge a career for themselves. Pleased to see BJ Novak in a film like this and being successful. Dove Cameron's yeah. an interesting one because she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a season or two. She played basically Damien Wayne Robin. And to see a transition from that to a pop singer and then to appear in this indie film, I think it shows how versatily fit she is. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're young and sexy in America. The world is indeed your oyster.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And the only thing I'd really add to that is I thought it was the movie is like very astute about social media and true crime culture. The entire conceit is that he has to lie to the to the the victim's family, who believe that they were like in a real real relationship, you know, like yeah, on the yeah, verge yeah. of marriage or something like that. And he goes along with it to get the story for his podcast. I thought it was very astute about the sort of grotesque underbelly of like the true crime impulse. That's been something that I think people have been talking about, but we haven't really seen a film about about that yet. And yeah. I thought that was kind of a new a new take on what is an actual mystery. I thought it was a great time and I thought it was very, very interesting in that respect.
0: I never watched the true crime stuff. I mean I watched the Target King because Jesus Christ, what what even was that? Um, I don't ever watch them I haven't even watched Dharma. Primarily it glorifies the criminal Secondly, it's incredibly voyeuristic to anybody that was involved in that crime to have to have it discussed as it is entertainment. It was and entertainment. And trouble with it, so yeah, the premise of this yeah. film just was completely relatable for me. Totally, totally. So yeah, I love
1: this one. I have it on my list. Obviously, later when we get there, I'll I'll reveal the point at okay. which I have it. Number fourteen, I have Black Phone. So we've already okay. talked about that.
0: My number 14 is Fox Searchlight film, I suppose part of Disney Plus now, starred Daisy, Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan and it's fresh. Oh yeah, that was a good one. This confirmed for me, Sebastian Stan is potentially the only person to come out of the MCU with more credit as an actor than when they're in it. Who does Christian Bale play in American Psycho? It's one of those so confident in what he's doing, like he can't perceive ever being caught. So arrogantly, confidently in control of this this situation, holding women captive, halving bits of them off, keeping them alive so he can sell them as meat to this Epstein Island sort of thing, isn't it? The secret diner's club by subscription, and then they just mail out the mail out the meat. You always know that it's probably going to end well. He probably is going to get his comeuppance, but the way that it deals with the relationship between Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan, and the way that he's used to them make it easy for them. They're, they become submissive, where she sort of plays the game a bit more, and yeah, um, yeah, that creates a tension. You're always wondering if she's going to get caught out when their friends is starting to work it out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So there's that external urgency and the internal urgency of the immediate situation. And again, it's a very stylized film. And Sebastian Stan, it's brave him choosing to play an out-and-out, irredeemable villain, a genuinely <laughs> yeah, totally. nasty chap. Because carving people up while they're still living... oh I know, right? Yeah, it's fucking horrific, mate. In a way, Barbarian has a similar plot, but that's just basically incest, isn't it? Now, I'm thinking which is worse to systematically be carved or to just be sexed against your will i don't know yeah. <laughs> i wouldn't like to choose let's put it that
1: way. <laughs> yeah it's great how she the success of her escape depends she capitalizes on his arrogance and mm. that very mm. element that you have identified that he can't imagine a scenario in which he's wrong she recognizes that and capitalizes on it it's it's real, very good
0: it's also ta- very fun to watch,
1: like very, very like Todd.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He almost romances her at times, but then at the mm-hmm. same time, he completely can separate that from what to him is a cow being hung by its hoofs. Mm-hmm. Such beautiful perversion. 13. I'm going with Violent Night. I always enjoy a
1: holiday movie that kind of subverts the tropes of the holiday movie a little bit. It plays on and subverts. And so I just thought this was a lot of fun to watch. And I think David Harbour, man, I'll really watch anything he's in.
0: It's a bit on the nose. There's no nice people in it. They're all bastards. (laughs) Like, there's nobody that is redeemable in the film, except for possibly the the hero girl. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and actual Santa Claus. But I like the way that it went through the roll call of almost replicating scenes completely from other films. It's one problem that I did have with it. In the beginning, it calls out the tropes of all the Christmas films, parodies some of them, but in the middle, it starts to take itself seriously. And that's when I was like, well, what am I watching here? Are we taking the piss out of it? Or are we actually turning it into a hallmark film here?
1: I, I know that that's your objection to it. I kind of liked it because yeah. it raises the stakes of the relationship between the kid and Santa because, yeah, yeah. Um, well, yes. Uh, if it doesn't have a heart of gold at the center, I think just becomes like a mean exercise and sort of just a... yeah an aggressive parody which can be off-putting or annoying or at least too tongue-in-cheek you know and so I like that there was a little bit of a heart at the center which I didn't interpret that as this the film taking itself seriously so much as trying to interject a little bit of yes it's going to parody the Christmas movie but it's but it is in fact also a Christmas movie and so I kind of liked that.
0: What's your 13? All right so my number 13 is one we've already spoken about and that's men. I'm just waiting for us to Yeah, when we both get the same one for a number. I'm so excited (laughs) about that prospect.
1: (laughs) I kind of feel like in the top seven or eight, there's a high probability we're going to
0: overlap a little bit. I've gone a bit off piece with my top ten. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I mean, there's a few obvious ones in there, don't get me wrong. There's a few that have to be in there to give these lists any credibility, but at the same time, yeah. But, I mean, we've we've spoken about the films that I liked from last year. All right, am I up? 12. Yep, 12. All right, number 12, I want with Smile. Really? Yeah. Isn't it funny, the amount of horror films? Because I don't consider myself a horror fan, but I was looking at my list. A quarter of the films that I really liked from last year.
1: Yeah, this one. I, when we were talking about Men, about the final set piece being just a truly like horrifying, grotesque, yes, body yes. horror, but also like existential horror. I kind of felt that similarly about this one. The way in which the smile monster is revealed to her is, oh, wow. I thought, yeah, was yeah. terrifying. It was like terrifying. the body horror of that, and just the, the scope and size of the monster with yeah, yeah, you know yeah. vis-a-vis her I thought it was truly horrible like horrible it was really kind of hard to watch it's another example with me in the black phone the little plot device that would get the kid saved I was pleasantly surprised because that's not something I would usually get on with too clever by half and similarly here when I saw the the trailer what are they going to do with this like what's this like smile like how can they turn this into something that got true legs I thought they just like carried it off beautifully it's so scary throughout so taut. the acting is so good Kind of like very um, scary because she's because she's a psychiatrist, I think mm. or a psychologist. Mm. and so there's that question of like, what of this is mental illness? Am mm. I suffering mental illness? What is happening to me? me the professional who diagnoses other people? I love that type of device and I thought that raised the stakes of the horror. It's like, what if this is real and what is what is it just in my my head? And what's the difference ultimately, if this is what I'm experiencing?
0: that puts an extra level of peril when she's given the option out. If you kill somebody, then it skips you. Yeah, and there's that that edginess of I don't even know if this is legit. I mean, it's fucking preposterous. Yeah, yeah. it's preposterous. In that world, it is happening, but ultimately, that world was our world before it started happening. So there's still yeah. the logic and reason, and almost like the deception of her own mind. But yeah, really good. And again, it's a film that smashed the box office. Really well made, good film. Twelve. You'll be pleased to know. Uh this is out on Universal and it stars Peter Dinklage, uh adaptation of Serrano de Bergerac, and it is called Serrano. Now we spoke about this in the other one, so I won't go into in the companion podcast to this, but so go and click on that one and you'll you'll hear about how much to think of it. And again, this might not be the PC thing to say, but Peter Dinklage is such a superior actor you don't notice how small he is. Mm -hmm. And the first time I noticed that, because he plays that role in Game of Thrones, so you're made to be aware of it. Like that is a part of his characterization. Days of Future Past, when he was Bolivar Trask, didn't even cross my mind. And it's the same thing on this. It's a great twist on on the classic film. I mean, we referenced the Steve Martin film, Roxanne. Um, It's been adopted a number of times on stage in film. This is a really clever take on it. The soundtrack is just sensational. There's a song towards the end of it called Wherever I Fall, complete earworm. I was humming it the day after I saw the film, fell asleep after watching it the previous night, and I couldn't stop humming it. So I went through the soundtrack until I found it, and then I just listened to it on repeat all morning. Really well made, really well scripted really well-presented film as well. There's a real depth to the quality of the production in this. It's all completely believable, despite the fact it's theatrical, because it is, obviously. Oh, the only thing that nearly put me off it, do you know the bit where the playwrights come into town and everyone's absolutely fucking bumming him, and then he swings down on the rope, and then he's (laughs) like, ah, but you aren't very good, are you? They have like this... Freestyle rap battle Peter Dinklage is even doing like that I'm rapping Hamilton. Yep, yep. and I just thought to myself oh, you no. know, I, know, I know this is heresy <laughs> but I've not been able to watch more than five minutes of Hamilton and I don't know if that's me being <laughs> English like I'm having to listen so hard to know what they're going on about like legitimately Hamilton took so much concentration it's not my history so it's all new to me plus they're sure. speaking at rapper pace so I'm just like what the fucking won't you let me watch you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when that started, I was like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" I felt the same you, way. Yeah, my cousin was asking for recommendations, and he messaged me. He went, "Have you sent me a fucking musical?" <laughs> <laughs> I went, "Yeah, stick with it." He goes, "He goes, no." I said, "What scene did you give up on?" And he said, "That scene." I was like, "Yeah, yeah." I nearly turned off it off then as well. But do you know what? I trusted Tim, and I carried on watching it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I felt when I, when the first time I saw it, I saw it, I think, twice. The first time I saw it, that, because that very early in the movie, Dinklage's really, introduction. Really, yeah, yeah. And I remember that too. I was like, what have I done? Like, am I going to have to sit here? You know, is this going to be like the rare movie I walk out of? And <laughs> yeah. uh, I say, it was inauspicious that start, but It, it gets, <laughs> it gets real, real, really, really good. Yeah, yeah that's it's on my list. So good. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it's gen- genuinely heartfelt as well, isn't it? It's not really, truly it's like it's not parodying it. It is a genuinely heartfelt film.
1: The chemistry between him and the Roxanne character yeah, is yeah. so evident, and you really feel his longing for her. You do, you a do. Slow evolution into doing the same. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Tremendous. And really, really um, so, if we do 20 to 11 today, Tim, this will be the last choice of this podcast, and then we can upload part two shortly afterwards okay number 11 the
1: unbearable weight of massive talent i am a like first of all i'm a nick cage like just slut okay i just love it oh my god and he just does nick cage and for some except for like in these instances like pig is that the name of the movie yeah 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 where he does not play nick cage he does some real serious character acting but Here, it's like he's doing a parody of himself. Elvis version, Nick Cage comes back, the young version to talk Mm. to him, like, at the bar and stuff. Mm. And Peter Pascal, they have such amazing comedic chemistry. Mm. And I thought this was such a clever and fun and a great comedic blockbuster. I don't know. And I just love him. Anything that he's in gets extra, like, two letter grades from me, like, from Baseline.
0: Well, I just like that now he's paid his divorce settlement off, that he was just taking literally every single film he could for about five to ten years. Yeah, Pig was like the beginning of him actually trying to be selective again. Did you see Mandy? Mandy? No, I didn't see Mandy.
1: Oh, dude, I'm going to remind you, that's something
0: that Nick Cage also did in the
1: last like couple of years. True, truly insane film. But again, like him being selective and taking a very, very difficult
0: role. Right, so I'm going to finish off this episode for the time being. I mean, we're not coming back to this episode, so we're going to finish the episode (laughs) off full stop. But the (laughs) list for the time being. (laughs) 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 My next one is a fantastic film that I loved so much. It was so clever, so smartly shot, so smartly scripted. It's one that can either be watched as a killer in the dark, mystery, or it can be seen as a very intelligently written social commentary. It is another A24. It has an ensemble cast that also features Amanda Stenberg, Rachel Sennett, and uh, Maria Baklova. It is bodies, bodies, bodies. Lee Pace is another one, played a fantastic part in it. It's just so smart. Um, Pete Davidson, again. It was something that was shot in the language of the Gen Z which mm-hmm. I am not even close to. I'm like two two times Gen Z. So <laughs> there's two ways the film could have gone, really. It could have been a very on-the-nose, passes expiry date as soon as you can get it to the cinemas film for Gen Z, or it could have been a complete parody of it written for the enjoyment of Gen X's like us. But what yeah. it managed to do is it managed to put those two cultures together, which are completely clashing, you felt invited in to watch something that wasn't necessarily familiar. And um, it did it without it being at the expense of the cast. Yes, of course, they get the comeuppance. Yes, of course, there are very atypical um, portrayals, and each one of them has, you know, that archetypal role. It's so clever as well. So clever. I love that movie. It's also my list a little bit higher up.
1: And one of the things that I thought was so cool about it is the gen said social media culture, right? Like TikTok culture mm-hmm. and um, like Twitter, although Twitter's more available for, you know, to all of us. But one of the things about it is, one of the critiques about it is that it induces people to pass judged, context-free judgment on other people and to not assess situations in their complete context. And of course, the mo- entire movie is driven by a contextless less death. That is to say they completely misunderstand the context in which Pete K- Davidson's character dies and that drives the entire the entire film. So it has that sort of like commentary on that level potentially as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I mean, it's the classic, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Yeah, yeah. I love Lee Pace's role in it as well. Like he was the POV <laughs> character for me. And, totally. I mean, he was acting a little bit Bertie Big Bollocks. And again, it's such a perfect inspection of social media and socio-political instincts anyway. You have the group. Who's in that group? Who's the one that's least like us? Or it's Lee Pace's Mm -hmm. character. And then it comes back again to then, well, who's the next in line that is least Mm -hmm. like us? Kind of like cancel culture in that way. Once they've canceled that person, they'll end up coming for you. You'll be on that list sooner or later. It's just that Mm -hmm. that's the person that you're comfortable with. But that rabble behind you... They're not going to stop there. They'll need the next one and the next one and the next one for the validation. Really adept and, and smart film. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. Yeah. So that's it for the for this podcast. That was good, man. I love talking about films. Love Me it. too. Again, everybody, it's been fantastic having you all listening to us. I'll ask YouTube upload for Wakanda Forever got up to 500 views which probably doesn't sound that much but believe me to it's taken us probably two years of consistent uploading to get anything near that if you're watching this video actually on youtube what are you doing man you've just listened to the whole fucking thing click the <laughs> button and that just doesn't go for youtube on spotify subscribe to us we are on instagram and twitter as the end underscore pod there is a link tree on most of the platforms where you can find all the other ones. We're on all your podcasting locations, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, we're on SoundCloud. So guys, remember, please, you don't even have to listen to us. I look at my Spotify, half of the podcasts I'm subscribed to are just FOMO, just in case there's something on them sooner or later. I uh, Probably a five or 10 I listen to, it would be great. It would be absolutely fantastic if we could be, over time, one of those with you. But all we're asking for you to do at this moment in time is to just be one of those subscriptions you never click on. (laughs) So (laughs) please, guys, give us a chance.
1: Oh, my God.
0: There's always, think of that woman that you pined after in your youth. Think about how she was too good for you. You're that woman to us. We're begging. (laughs) We are bent knee. Asking. Asking. For you to love me. <laughs> oh my God! With that said and done, Tim, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners?
1: Yes, uh, listeners, goodbye. This is a great time, Matt. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to ten through one, though. I have to I say, like, to. and I'm curious how much overlap we're gonna have. How
0: much? How much overlap did we have in the first ones? Black Phone, Vengeance, Bodies, 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 Men. Did you no. see so, so that's five. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is getting me. This is getting spicy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and for listeners, keep in mind, I have no idea what Matt's top 20 was. We did not discuss that.
0: No, no, not at all. All I'm going to say before I go is I'm Matt. I'm a co-host and good night, Brussels. That only leaves me one thing to say. (laughs) We have been, and this is the end. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Bravo <laughs> Great stuff